yeah, they considered that for season three. I mean, hashtag glad it didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would have been a bit full on. Sabrina. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Anubis Backwards. Uh, We have a special guest with us today, actually our first ever special guest, so we're very excited. You probably know him best as Fabian Rudder, so uh, welcome, Brad Cavana. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, thank you so much for asking me on the show as well. Um, I wasn't expecting it at like 3 a.m. in the UK on Twitter, but I was (laughs) like, you know what? I'm so down right now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I was so surprised. I was like, it's so late over there, but we're so excited to talk to you. So thank you again. Oh, thank you for having me. No, it's great. Yeah. So I guess we'll start with kind of what prompted me to tweet you in the first place. So um, it was kind of funny, the timing, because a few days before we had tweeted out to our listeners asking for them to kind of send in their hot takes or unpopular opinions about the show. So then when we saw you tweeting um, what you were tweeting, we were like, wow, this is so perfect. Um, so <laughs> someone had asked you if you preferred uh, Joy or Nina, and you said joy and kind of came out with what I think was kind of an unpopular opinion, but we agreed with it. So do you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, I think um, I definitely remember when I tweeted it, it was one of those things where it was like, I gave a really honest opinion in like the flash of a pan. And then once I tweeted it, I quickly realized that I was possibly responsible for making half of the Anubisphere just cry. uh, (laughs) If not 90% of them just go, why? Because I think like, even though I didn't write the show, people always expect me to have this kind of ownership over the character anyway. Like I always knew what he was thinking. I always knew where he was going to go. But I think by the end of the show, I, I kind of did feel like I knew who he was. Um, but yeah, so someone tweeted and said, you know, did you prefer Joy with Fabian or Nina with Fabian? And I think everyone is always like, well, you know, Fabina, Fabian and Nina, it's, you know, it's the diehard relationship of, of House of Anubis. But I actually, yeah, I revealed this opinion that, I actually shipped him more with Joy. And that was the interesting thing at the time. And I can remember even discussing that with Clarissa, who who plays Joy, because it was almost heartbreaking, the scenes they would put in, especially, you know, in season three, when Nina wasn't there anymore. You had this ultimate heartbreak of like, these people could really work together, but they just don't. And like, I've kind of, I'm gonna admit, I have this beef sometimes when I watch TV shows where I'm like, was that a character decision or was that a writing decision? And I can't decide. And I think the joy thing was definitely that for me because they really worked together and I could see them possibly getting together and getting through anything. Like I could see them, you know, ending up with no money living on the streets. They would get through it. They would have had kids or adopted or whatever, got through it. They would have done whatever they wanted and got through it. Whereas everyone always was like, oh, I hate joy you know, I don't like who she is. And she did like a lot of, yeah, she was pretty rough to a lot of people and she caused a lot of bad situations, but I always felt sorry for her. I always thought, yeah, me too. That's where Fabian should have ended up. You had said something on Twitter about how for Joy, she has to go back to the school and she is with seeing the people who basically like made the term before hell for her. Yes. But like her dad was also one of those people. So in theory, she's got nowhere safe to go. And all of her friends, like, the world kept spinning without her. So she's kind of got nothing, and she's got nowhere to go, and she's got no one. And she's just, she kind of lost everything, and she's just trying to find it again. Yeah, and I completely agree. And and I think that was one of the things where, you know, it, and I was possibly <laughs> I was possibly unpopular for thinking this even when we were shooting it. But it, it was that thing of, of, like, if you zoom out and look at this for what it is, like you said, you know, Joy was, you know, kind of kidnapped, you know, hidden away from the school. 
And during that time in which she had no decision at all, she was no part of that decision. Her dad took her away. The school teachers were in it. Victor was in it. And he never really apologized, by the way. That always annoyed me. He never really just upped and went, Saws guys, you know. <laughs> Saws for season one, that whole thing. You know, I don't know what happened there. I lost lost my moment. But, um, but with Joy, yeah, like that decision was completely removed from her control. And yeah. to come back and then find out actually fabian who proceeds to be this kind of like really you know like butter wouldn't melt really nice guy nothing wrong with him he's really sweet really nice couldn't do anything wrong heart of gold actually you you were dating her and you were going out with her and you were doing all these things and you had these little moments together and then when she disappeared why because i always questioned patricia was the one that was making the most noise famously she was the one that was always like where's joy yeah. Fabian yeah. didn't care. Fabian was just sat there, like, chilling. And I was like, what? We didn't know that at the time, obviously, but it felt odd to then insinuate later on there was this whole precursor relationship there that just disappeared. So, yeah, like, I feel bad for Joy. And then she came back and had this, you know, really nice, sweet girl. And everyone was like, oh, Nina, Nina. Nina was the hero. And, you know, and, yeah, she, you know, her being the chosen one, her being the chief character of course that that is the way it works but joy was forever painted as like this kind of maniacal obsessive person when really like wouldn't we all be the same if we got sent away to live in a cupboard for like six months and then came back and everything was gone as you knew it yeah like they really just kind of tossed her to the side when they came back and i was always it was so hard to watch because even though she did kind of act out a lot like you were saying i i think it's justified just because the way people were treating her and what she had went through so yeah absolutely and i think another thing as well that i thought was a real a real character moment was when there was a i can't remember which season this was in actually but there was a moment at which joy held something we needed for our mystery to ransom and she said i'll give it to you if you kiss me to fabian i think that was season two yeah is that that is season two isn't it and I just always remember thinking like, wow, like this is heavy. This is like going to go down, you know, like people watching are going to really lose it for this. But the fact that when it gets there, she actually doesn't do it. She says, do you know what? It's not what I want because it isn't real. And that is kind of like such a character mark for me because it's like, was that not the moment at which everyone should have looked and said, she has kind of acknowledged that this isn't fair this isn't real and she almost has to make peace with it and move on yeah and i just thought that was a really telling telling moment although she did do that sly thing where she pretended to be nina and put on the <laughs> yeah that was a bit sly that was a yeah bit a little bit <laughs> that was a that was a little bit slying out there that was pretty bad but i don't know i think like she had so much to deal with we will possibly never know what she was thinking really i know it's funny that you just mentioned that because in the episode we did for last night trudy called joy a walking soap opera and i'm like <laughs> what happened in her past what was going on here wow that is and coming from trudy that's a heavy insult because <laughs> trudy almost is like the thing that made me laugh, like the Trudy character was always, we would have been in, you know, some chamber underneath the house till 5am, you know, and fixing some mystery, nearly facing death. And then you would always get a breakfast scene right after where it was like, morning, I got you bananas. <laughs> and, you know, it'd just be like, what is this? Like Trudy was always the most 
like neutral character of the whole thing. So the one time she went in, it was on joy. It just wasn't fair. It just wasn't fair. It will also forever kill me the way that I can't tell you how much it actually hurt to shoot the scene when evil Fabian Ooh. hugs Joy. And I can't remember exactly what he says, but doesn't doesn't he say something along the lines of, you know, you think everyone likes you, people can't bear you? Is that what he says? Yeah, and then I think he's like, you'll never find love or something. Oh. I think he went as far as saying it was so hard to watch. Rome doesn't actually like you. None of us like you. So oh, yeah, that's it. God, he, he went in. Like, he went in. But so, yeah. But, like, the more we talk about this, the more you kind of think, like, of course our hearts go out to Joy. Like, she she just got completely steamrolled. Although there's one thing someone mentioned on Twitter that I'm not going to lie, I completely forgot. Someone mentioned about Joy writing something about someone. Oh, yeah. I think she she wrote, like, a anonymous piece in the, the Jackal. I think it was kind of, like, slandering Nina. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of heavy, actually. I forgot about Yeah. Yeah, so that was a little far, and I think everyone kind of gave her crap for it and was probably justified in that, but I think she kind of felt helpless in the moment, is my guess. Wow. I mean, the article, from what we heard about it, wasn't necessarily wrong, though, because she dragged Nina for, like, skipping class and being gone all the time because she was so wrapped up in Sabuda and how she, like, didn't go visit her sick grand, but they were, like, trying to save her grand, and it was it was a take, but was she 100% wrong? No. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those like, well, if the cap fits, it's technically true. And I think that was also another odd thing of um, like, we could never figure out what the school system was because Joy's right for calling that out. But if you look at a school that was supposed to be one of the kind of like best private schools in the country, so much so that someone got shipped to study there from like the States and stuff, they had a terrible track record of keeping a mind on where pupils were. They really did. We talk about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, we really, really, really did think, is there not at some point where Mr. Sweet, oh my gosh, like, Mr. Sweet, come on, tell someone off for doing something, please. Like, he would have people just not even in class. You know, we would go to the gatehouse. We would do all this stuff. We'd be everywhere. Victor, as hard of a, as an iron fist he ruled with, he was terrible. Like, I, I still don't know how anyone could actually sneak into like the chambers beneath the house completely undetected on a regular basis. Um, right. <laughs> but we really did try to kind of get that across. But yeah, like my, my heart goes up to Joy. Like she she had such a hard time. Yeah, for sure. So I think we're on the same page as you, even if not everyone else was. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, and, and some people really aren't. Like even still now, <laughs> I'm getting people tweet me like, I can't believe after everything Nina did for you, you're going to ship Joy. <laughs> no, it was great in season three when she didn't even break up with Fabian over the phone and told her to ask Eddie, but okay. Yeah, it was just, I can remember doing that scene as well. And wasn't there a really awkward scene where like, doesn't someone just come into the living room? Isn't it Mr. Sweet and says like, oh, Fabian, Nina isn't coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're like, she didn't tell him over the summer. Like, were they not texting? Were they not... Oh my calling God. each other i don't know exactly thank you i completely agree because i kind of said i kind of mentioned at the time were there no letters <laughs> were there no you know but i think it's this kind of weird idea of was that really 20 
2011 or 2012 or was it just the idea that people in the uk just didn't have phones yet i don't, I don't know whether that was i don't know whether that was kind of the mysticism behind it but i always wondered like Nina and Fabian did not have a, a relationship that reflected the time. It was as if they still were sending, you know, like quirrell scrolls to each other via owl or something. Like why they didn't have this more fluid kind of back and forth, I, I, I don't know. But it was always something that really dawned on our minds when we were shooting. Yeah, we definitely wondered that too, because it was implied that she had been emailing Eddie over the summer. But yeah, precisely. we were like, you're not gonna email Fabian yeah this, this is exactly <laughs> literally anyone else yeah literally anyone and I can remember there's a scene where I, th- I think it was in the first or second block of season three where I think Fabian was sat by his window and it was this really corny line where it was like I look at the stars because I know she's looking at the same stars you know that kind of thing <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was really like, I was like, guys, do I really have to say this? They were like, yeah, you do. This is what you get paid for. Shut up. And I was like, right, okay. And then I like said that line, but it was so hard to do because really everything for Fabian in me wanted to be like, I look at the stars because I cannot make any sense out of why I've received no word at all from someone I spent two years being with and I get dumped via the head teacher of my boarding school what yeah it was an odd one Nina also couldn't even mail the letter herself she just was like here eddie give this to fabian and i'm like girl girl no it's like really yeah exactly it's like and, and as well the fact that there's no trace of nina from then on like the fact that like oh my gosh like we tried to drop a wooden crocodile over a chasm of death and and now it's, you know, that's just like hot coffee spilled on the floor. Do you know what I mean? It's just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really. <laughs> yeah. Like, I understand it was probably tricky with Natalia not coming back to the show, but I always was like, they could have, I don't know, done something a little bit more with explaining why she left. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, this was it. And, and it was kind of one of those things where, you know, we knew by the time we reached the end of season two, we knew, you know, Natalia wouldn't be coming back. So it was like, well, why, what shouldn't we have? maybe what and yeah but but i think i think that's where like the politics of the show comes into it and like how we got commissioned and stuff because like i don't know if i'm gonna get shot for saying this i I don't think so it's nothing bad but no no it's just like the simple thing of like you know we went season to season not knowing if we were going to have a next one and i think that i think that often contributes to some quite interesting season ends and season starts because Maybe characters previously might, you know, like there's there's all kinds of things like, um, you know, Natalia went to college. Some other people may have had family issues. I know I nearly had some family issues that meant I couldn't come back. And you, when you're dealing with all those things that you mm-hmm. you kind of know what's going to happen, but you ultimately don't. It's really hard. Like, where do you finish a season? Because one of the biggest kind of question marks that left us as a cast was at the end of the Touchstone of Ra movie. It literally set up for like season four with a completely new cast. Like that is literally what happened. There was like a Fabian-y character. There was an Amber-y character. And it was like, okay, this is it. And, but you know, and then unfortunately it it never came back. But I think that's even things like that still leave quite a big question for people. But yeah, it's, it's, that's why I'm always happy to talk about it because it's as much about the characters and how we put it together as it is literally about not knowing if there was going to be a season three, if it was going to be a season two, you know, we, we, we had no idea. 
But yeah, there definitely could have been a bit more preparation for a smooth Nina exit, that's for sure. Like, they spent half a season two with her grand deathly ill, and I hate to be like this, but they also really could have just killed off her grand, which made it impossible for her to come back to the UK because she's a minor. Yeah, that was, yeah. I I I can always remember there would be interesting things. And, you know, like, we were, well, I mean, I was, like, 17 when I started the show and, like, 19, 20 when we finished. And I was just, like, I was, like, you know what? I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to go and talk to the writers. I'm going to talk to them about the future of my character. And like that, just don't, don't do that. <laughs> You're like, just, just don't do it. It's almost like going into like a, a garage and literally telling the person fixing your car how to do it when you have no idea. And like, I would have like frequent conversations with the writers and they were so tight lipped. Like that was the other thing I loved. We would not know at all what was happening in any 10 episode block to the next 10 episode block. No idea. That's so- wild. It was literally, it was really wild. And we would do kind of like, um, it was maybe four weeks to a block and we would not stray out of those episodes at all. And they were written and constructed in a way where there would always be a huge cliffhanger on episode 10, then episode 20, then episode 30. So we would only shoot up to those scenes and then you'd start the whole thing over again and do the next block. But that was genuinely like that kept us on edge because you never knew what was going to happen oh as well to interject with the joy stuff am i right in remembering that joy literally nearly died yes yeah and wasn't it the golden tear that brought her back to life yeah because i think she she died saving fabian's life i think literally yeah exactly right case closed like is that not another like (laughs) piece of evidence we can bring to the table like joy literally (laughs) gave her life for fabian the only reason she came back was because of Egyptian mythology and that worked in that universe. She would have been dead. And yet everyone was like, do you know what? I'm not shipping Joy. Like she literally gave everything. That is a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> she literally went all the way to the end of the earth. And after that, it was like a handshake. Like, do you know what, Joy? That was smashing. Thanks so much. I'll see you tomorrow. It was just such a given. Oh my God. You're right. <laughs> it really was. So I have another question kind of going off of talking about the writers. So yeah. Something I always found interesting about watching this show, and I think it was why I was watching it as a teenager, even though it maybe was targeted for people a little bit younger than me. But <laughs> did you guys ever have to kind of like play the line of, okay, this is a kid show on Nickelodeon, but we're tackling these really kind of like adult topics? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. It was, I think that was really interesting of, of what Nickelodeon wanted to do, because when we turned up to do season one, they really pitched it to us as, okay, this is we're aiming this at kind of like an audience of maybe like nine to 12. It's like a, a, a horror kind of scary, you know, um, demon headmaster style show. But from the off, the show had to have a perfect split of mystery and then, you know, gossip relationships, emotional dynamics and things like that. But where it started getting a lot more conscious of, of emotional issues. I always remember, I think it was the start of season two with Jerome and his dad being in prison. Mm. And that was the first storyline where we were like, oh, this isn't just like Nina and her gran anymore. This is like, here we go. Like, this is actually quite a quite an issue. But yeah, there was certainly an element of, uh, it, it was a challenge. And our director, Angelo Abila, he was... really talented and very good at finding that halfway house between okay this is a really big social issue your dad's in prison and he's not coming out but we need to be sad in a nickelodeon way 
And it was always this thing of you couldn't you couldn't break down. You weren't allowed to break down and truly channel what you would feel in real life. You had to slightly dial it back. And it was the same the other way as well. It was with with like even on the like the Fabian and the Nina kiss and things like that. It it nothing could be too far the other way. We had to kind of bring stuff into the middle as much as we could. But some of the plot twists and some of the things that happened absolutely sidelined us like we would be just like wow that's kind of full-on and don't even get me started on when like mick left and then amber left we were all just like heartbroken about the whole thing um yeah it was it that that was definitely a challenge for sure and yeah we we all used to talk about it all the time like how how far do we go to be really sad here but I think that is one of the interesting things about um, when I watched that uh, YouTube video, which kind of started this whole discussion. I think a lot of people were kind of like, oh, you know, you'd be a lot more sad than that. You'd be a lot more happy than that. And it's like, yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely, you would. But you're playing to your audience as much as you're playing for your character. Um, that makes sense. And it, well, yeah. And at the end of the day, you audition doing one thing but the job is always something almost completely different and that's when you have to keep your audience in mind but but it was always interesting how it was aimed at a much younger audience but we did always end up with people watching who were like our age at the time and a little bit younger and possibly even older because those guys knew how like knew how to write a cliffhanger like they did and i don't mean guys as in like dudes like it was it was everyone <laughs> it was guys gals it was everyone like and there was um diane she just had i swear i swear to god diane had a bag of magic dust and she would just put her hand in there and be like what's the cliffhanger gonna be today mm. <laughs> someone's dying you know like it would be something some massive thing she'd just plop out there and it would just turn the table and yeah they they were a sick team i, I yeah. really miss them by season three too it felt like they were almost doing that with like who's gonna end up together absolutely because that got wild because <laughs> you know what the <laughs> thing is i remember quite a bit about season one and two but season three i got so confused because i just didn't know what was happening anymore and it got to the point where i think with nina going you know because fabian was always the kind of partner assistant to the mysteries but then when it was Eddie and, um, oh my God, I can't remember Ali's character's name. Katie. <laughs> oh, it was, it was Katie. Why didn't they just call her Katie? I can remember all the I don't know. <laughs> we were always like, point. literally. And I can remember like, I can remember like the US execs being like, well, it, you know, it makes it feel less English. I was like, does it? <laughs> no, people named Katie in the US. Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay. But um, yeah, that was it, Kitty. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, but like Ali and um, Berkeley, you know, they were very much pivotal to that that mystery side. And it was interesting how I completely lost track of, of the mystery because of not being in those kind of main, mainline scenes anymore. And it was really odd. Although the award for the most confused by the storyline definitely goes to Tazy, who played Mara, <laughs> because... <laughs> We we were really good friends, me and Taisy. And Taisy, I remember her saying to me, like, what's going on? <laughs> what is like, what's happening? Because the thing was, we actually kept track. And by the way, we'll get on to the Taisy Mara, uh, the Mara and Fabian kiss in a bit, because that's a whole other what. Um, <laughs> but 
we worked out that I believe they only spoke to each other twice throughout the entirety of Anubis. And one of them was not even related to the mystery. Only one of those moments was related to the mystery. But I can remember her being like, literally, I don't even know what you guys are doing with that cup of ank. I, it's, it's, it's something. And I became that guy in season three. I was like, okay, Brad, this is the scene where you're saving this. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've got it. Do I have to wear my woolly jumper? Yes, you do. All right, great. Thank you. <laughs> we felt so bad. That looked like that had to get hot. We think about that a lot. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Like, season one, I was like, I'm happy to be the shirt and blazer guy. I'm happy because I can take my blazer off. Also, the, the crazy thing was, and this is like, this is like a, a really crazy story. Um, in season one, about halfway through shooting season one, I got shingles. Um, oh, wow. Oh, it was like the most pain I've ever felt in my life. It was terrible. But the thing is, the thing that makes shingles hurt even more is starch. And it was the week I got shingles that they turned around and were like, we're giving you a jumper. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> And it just made the... Like, they were really nice. And I should have probably said, like, guys, I'm in severe pain. Please, I'm going to die. But, like, I was just really resilient at the time. I was like, ah, I've got a job. I'm happy. I will do anything. And, yeah, I, I remember they gave me this jumper. And I just hated it ever since. And I don't know if you noticed, they got progressively thicker every season. Yeah. No, I definitely noticed that. <laughs> and by season three, I was like, are you guys literally going to put me in, like, a parka on set? Like, that's the <laughs> level we're going to get to. But the set was really really hot so hot like it was nuts and i can remember whenever the american executives used to come and watch us shoot scenes they would be like yeah could we um could we dab the pale guy and i'd be like i'm sorry <laughs> i would just be sweating so profusely it would be showing up on camera because i'm wearing this like really thick jumper and makeup would have to come in after every shot and just dab me <laughs> well they did a good job because you definitely can't tell so <laughs> yeah they, they airbrushed me to absolute death because i don't think it would have worked any other way <laughs> oh man i want to know where you think fabian is in the year 2020 besides hopefully in quarantine <laughs> so that that is interesting because you know what my answer is gonna be i have a distinct feeling that Fabian is like a chief lead biological researcher working for WHO because I just feel like that's where he would end up. I feel like even though he enjoyed history and stuff, I feel like he was always destined to go into medicine. I don't know why. I really don't know why. So yeah, I think he would maybe be championing research to kind of perhaps try and figure out a vaccine or something because he always had that heart of gold thing he always had this complex where yeah. he had to be saving lives so i feel like he might have gone that way but where would he be like where would he live because he definitely would have post nina post anubis he definitely like backpacked across like he went to like brazil for sure definitely went to brazil he definitely went to like Malaysia, he definitely went to Singapore, he definitely went to a bunch of like beautiful places and kind of saw the world. But there's also the fact that I feel like he might have come back and opened a library or a bookshop. Oh, I would love that. That's cute. <laughs> I feel like that's what he might have done. Uh, but I don't know where. Cheshire. Definitely Cheshire, actually. <laughs> yeah, definitely Cheshire. He was a Cheshire kid. 
definitely. Where is that? Just because we're from the US, so we don't know. Oh, yes, know. sorry. <laughs> um, so Cheshire is, um, it's like northwest of England. Uh, so it's quite high up north on in the on the English map. And it's kind of like a really green, very countryside-y place. You know, um, Hogsmeade. Oh, okay. Wow. Godric's Hollow. Okay. Like, Cheshire. That's like Cheshire just all looks like that. I think he'd have ended up somewhere like that with a bookshop. That sounds cozy. I like that for him. Yeah, I like that. So something else, we were kind of talking about this a little bit. Um, So we were all in around high school age when the show was coming out and we were super kind of involved in the fandom online with like Twitter and Tumblr and constantly talking about it. Mm. How aware were you guys of the fandom and some of like the antics that we got up to online? We were... (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, we're like, gonna expose ourselves here but <laughs> we were like enormously aware of everything oh my god because oh my god. The, th- the thing is alex who played alfie he was abs like alex grew up watching keenan kell and he watched a bunch of nick shows so when he found out he was in a nick show he was like life complete and because of that he was really good. He had like Google alerts set up on on keywords to do the newbies. He would be filtering through tumblers. He would be filtering through everything. Oh no! Oh he no! Everything. So the thing is, but this is it. Like enough time, and there was so much of it that I like I wouldn't know anything you guys have ever written or put up there because at the time there was so much of it. I I can't even remember assigning names to things. There were a lot of um rated r things put out there that were very uncomfortable to read yeah can confirm that was not us so. yeah. <laughs> you guys don't strike me as the type um but yeah there were some really questionable things that made me feel like i had to give it all up and perhaps move to a different planet <laughs> to protect oh, no. myself but um but no we were always really um and the right do you know what the, the people who knew more than us was the writers they used to trawl the web, especially between seasons, and see what people fantasized about happening, what people did like, what people didn't like, what people felt. That makes so much happen. sense. Ben, this is how Jerome and Joy yeah. happened. You really did yeah, because like the world. okay, I this this is like a tangent. So in season two, I started shipping Jerome and Joy, and mm-hmm. so did a few other people, even though they didn't really talk just because like we thought their personalities would go together so we talked about it like i used to make youtube videos i think i brought it up in a youtube video and then so when they actually got together we were like what the heck like yeah are they watching us that, that will that will have been you will have affected that definitely because <laughs> yeah it was all me guys just <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we owe all of it to you, to, to, to you. but that, no, yeah. it's, it's it's absolutely true they did they always made sure they were on what people wanted and what people could see happening. Because I think the thing is, when you can sit in a room and you can do anything with the characters, you literally have total control. You need a meter, you need a yardstick to decide, well, but what's achievable, what makes sense to people and what doesn't? And yeah, that absolutely happened. Um, There was a bunch of things. Because I think at, at one point, there was even like a Fabian Patricia thing that people were talking about. And they, they, probably, yeah, they considered that for season three. Once, obviously, Nina wasn't there. Um, oh. but I mean, hashtag glad it didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would have been a bit full on. Uh, but yeah, it's it is interesting. But it kind of felt to me like 
and I love the writing team. Like this is this is nothing against anything they ever did. I thought it was brilliant. It just felt to me at the end of season three, the Mara Fabian thing just that just felt like it came out of nowhere for me. Yeah. There were definitely a few people, I think, that like shipped them just because they were both the smart ones, I guess. But it definitely came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think I always understood they both had that kind of like bookwormy, kind of very active, very, you know, heart of gold thing again. But I think I can remember when we shot that um, prom scene and that that kiss. I can remember Taisy being like, where the hell did this come from? <laughs> I was like, I have no idea. And it was just like, yeah, it was it was just one of them, I guess, as we would say. It was just one of them. I don't think they would have stayed together, though, do you? No, I feel like they were both kind of dealing with their own yeah. relationship drama that season where, like, I think Mara was dealing with both, like, the Jerome thing and also breaking up with Mick, too. And then Fabian was dealing with not having Nina. So it was almost just like them were both in places where they were hurting and it just kind of like oh i guess we can like see each other and it probably didn't last yeah it was very much that thing of like oh okay yeah i like to think they like they were almost each other's rebound like they yeah that's how i see it they helped each other heal and then at some point they were like oh this isn't going where we want it to is it and then you know mara was like no i've got to go and save the hedgehogs again and then (laughs) yeah i think i think that's probably what what happened (laughs) I mean, I spent the whole season thinking that, like, maybe, like, Fabian and KT were going to be a thing because they were hanging out all the time. That did not happen. But their friendship was cute. Actually, that's really true because I feel like at one point there was a conversation of why haven't they made that happen? Because we were trying to solve things together. Yeah. And obviously Eddie had his whole thing. But, like, yeah, I, 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 I think it was something that there was maybe a whisper of, but it never made it past that really um but i also i can't remember whether they originally had different plans for kt that maybe didn't come into fruition by the end of the season um i can't remember what it was god i mean the the craziest thing is on january the first that's that's it's oh my gosh that's 10 years isn't it yeah wow yep wow that's 10 years since it aired here Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That's only just hit me, guys. You've just witnessed that. That's all. Oh, that's I've really clicked onto that. That's just hit me. God, we yeah, can... Maybe we can get you back. We can try to get some more people, do like a little 10 year reunion or something. Literally, you know, like, I feel like, I feel like oh, that we need to do something for that. Right. I need to go away and have a think. <laughs> well, we're happy to help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I need to go away and have a good think and, and think about what we could do for that. 10 years. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it makes me feel old. So. <laughs> it makes me feel really old because, like, the, the the weirdest thing occurs to me now where, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not, like, you know, retired and, and off I go. Like, but sometimes people in the street, when they recognize me for Anubis, they'll come, <laughs> they'll come up to me and they're like, oh, my God, are you, were you Fabian in House of Anubis? And I'll be like, yeah, 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 I was. And then they'll be like, Wow, I used to love that when I was a kid. And I'm like looking at someone that looks the same age as me. And I'm like, what? what how old were you in this ad? And they're like, oh, I was like six. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, what? And, and then they'll be laughing. They'll be like, oh, you know, I'll follow you on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, I'm on Facebook. And they're like, we don't use that. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm old. <laughs> I'm so Yeah, that's, 
something we kind of have been going across too. Like we realized there was like a younger generations of fans that we hadn't interacted with because they were all like children when the show was airing, but they've all kind of like emerged as a fandom and there's like a whole fandom on Instagram now. And we were like, we didn't know there was an Instagram fandom. Oh wait, Instagram wasn't even a thing. Like when season one yeah, was yeah, airing, was, that's no, why it wasn't even a thing. Like, and I can remember thinking I was the most like absolutely progressive guy in the world because I just got on Twitter the second and it was starting. I was like, Oh yeah, Twitter and Twitter was my thing. I loved it. I loved talking to people who watched the show. I loved like doing that whole thing. And now, like, Twitter has almost become this kind of thing of, like, it's really hard to drive anything new on Twitter, almost. It's kind of like you've got built-in kind of fandoms and things that are there running away, and, and it's really nice. But it's it's interesting now because some people are like, oh, I don't even have a Twitter account who watch the show now. And it's like, wow, that's that's almost crazy to me. Yeah, because I feel like so much of the fandom was on Twitter back when it was airing. It really was. Twitter and Tumblr, and I know those Instagram are the big ones. Started to pop off during season three filming, because I remember I complained about this, thinking about all the behind-the-scenes content we were deprived of because Instagram hadn't taken off in the way it has yet. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, and even then again, I ended up on. I'm not. I've never been other than Twitter. I've never been an enormous social media user, to be completely honest, but. Mm-hmm. I ended up on TikTok um, a couple of weeks ago and my fiance just turned to me and says like, oh, have you ever searched House of Anubis for a laugh? And I was like, oh yeah. And I was like, I doubt there'll be anything. Oh my gosh, there's loads. It's so funny. Yeah, we've done that too. I made a thread on Twitter that one day at work because it, the weather sucked and it was so slow. And I was like, House of Anubis is on TikTok? What can I find? I also did make that one TikTok, which I still giggle to myself about. Which which one which one did you make, Emily? I made one that it's the uh, the audio goes, I love you, I hate you, I miss you, I miss you, I miss you, I miss you, and then it says some swear words because it was, I love you for Eddie, I hate you for I think Vera, I miss you for Amber Piper, Mister Winkler, Mick, and I think Poppy, and then the last audio which has some lovely swear words was for Mrs. Denby because she is the worst character from that show. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, I did one too. I found I had like there was a book series, I guess, for House of Anubis, and someone had known I'd like the show, so they got me the book, even though it was probably written for like eight-year-olds, and I found it while I was at home. So there was an audio that was like best place to hide money. Now only people with taste can find this. So I like put a $20 bill in the House of Anubis book and like put it on the shelf and it got like a thousand hits. I was that is like great. shocked. That is peak. That is that is fantastic. <laughs> And it's weird, but I think, I think, and you know, this is, this is something else I've noticed is um, kind of as, as life goes on and like people do other things as well. I found it interesting. And, and, you know, in a way I need to apologize to some people because I feel like after Anubis, I kind of, um, I, I stuck around on Twitter for a while, but it, it, it took a real odd turn because I started I started getting a lot of targeted abuse from, it was maybe like 40 or 50 people, but I think as anyone knows on Twitter, like targeted abuse from 40 or 50 people is a lot. And that is a lot. as much as you can put down your phone and you can choose to delete your account, you can choose to shut it away. You can't get away from it because you always know it's there and you always, it, it hurts. Like regardless, it hurts. And And I think because of that, I kind of shut down a bit on Twitter. I didn't go on there much. And... I can remember 
you know, it, it, it got a bit difficult at times because there were a lot of people I really missed talking to about the show. And but because of my silence, I think maybe that was perceived as I was like snubbing the show. I, I like I like I hated it. And I was like, nah, it's over. Like, don't talk. To, talk to me about that ever again. So but so that's why, like, again, I was really grateful you guys asked me on this because I love to talk about the show. I love to talk about the relationships and I love to talk about the characters. And it was one of the biggest things that has ever happened to us in our lives. And it's a shared experience that we all took so many positive things away from. And, and yeah, I am. Yeah. Again, thank you for, for bringing me on because it's, it's, it's just really fun. Yeah. Well, thank you too. We're, I mean, we appreciate that. I mean, the, like you said, the show has been on now for it's been almost 10 years and people are still wanting to talk about it and watch it. So we appreciate that you're still willing to look back on it too. Cause obviously you've moved on and everyone's doing other things now, but I think it's a special show to a lot of people still. Absolutely. And like it, it's, it forms the reason, you know, you kind of like watch that channel at that time on those days and like, and I completely get it too. And, you know, I, I did watch every season after it came out. And although I really struggled to watch myself, like I am, I really enjoyed it, and I dug the cliffhangers and the way they'd done that, and it it was, and I still think, you know, I was chatting to Berkeley. I um, was lucky enough to head over to Vancouver. I think it was like last February or something, and I stayed at Berkeley's place. And like me and him are like, I swear we were separated at birth. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, we're like insanely good friends. Um, oh, I love that. Oh, like next level, like, yeah, we just, we live together as well in, in, in the real world. We would all have like two people to an apartment and me and Berkeley had an apartment together for two years. So it was just like, it was the best. And, you know, I was kind of talking to him and I was saying, you know, House of Anubis is, is the one thing out of everything we've all ever done. It's the one thing that people still talk about. And he'd actually said to me like, oh man, like, don't even get me started. Like, you know, he'd done Beyond, he'd done all these shows, but whenever he went to like any press junket for Beyond or any of his other shows, people would always ask him HOA questions. And I thought that was sick. <laughs> I was like, this show slaps for people who are into that story and into those relationships and into that mystery. And it's one of the strongest followings I've kind of ever really witnessed. And the fact that like, like, yeah, like here we are talking about it 10 years from when it aired, it's it's awesome. It, it really is. It's awesome. I always get so like, I'm going to use the word soft here when you guys like still post about the show on your socials. Like, oh, I'm so glad. Like, because it impacted me in such a way. And it brought me to so many of like, I my best friends I met through the fandom. And I know one of them, because we live all over the US and one of them lives down in South Carolina. And she came up to Chicago, which is about two hours away from where I live for a Comic Con. Wow. So I drove down there and I had dinner with her and it's just so weird because I had known her for like eight, nine years. And it was like I'm meeting this person who's had such a giant impact on my life. Yeah, even the three of us, I don't know if you realize this. We don't we all live in different states. We've never met in person. We met on the Internet because we all talked about this show and kept in touch all these years. So it's just kind of crazy. I didn't know you'd never met in person. H have you ever met in person ever? No. no. Oh yeah. my gosh, I didn't know that. I, I, wow, that's incredible. That shows this. That's that's the strength of that syrup right there. That's that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I'm sure we'll meet soon once you know it's a little bit easier yeah. to travel yeah. now that we're doing once this. But <laughs> it is safe to do so. <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah, and I mean that's another thing that has been 
you know, I've noticed a surge in traffic about HOA because people have took the time to rewatch in, in lockdown and stuff like that. And especially in the UK, you know, we weren't really allowed outdoors at all for like months. And to see mm-hmm. people turning back to the show, it's like, wow, it, it's just the coolest thing ever. I always lose track of where it is, though, because like it's been on Netflix a bunch of times here. It's on Prime now here. Yeah, Nick came out with a streaming service. I think it's called Nick Hits. And so when I rewatched it, you could subscribe to it either through um, Apple TV or through Amazon Prime. So at least for America, that's where you can find it. I also just all the series on iTunes because I was that extra in 2010 through 2013. Yeah, I still have season one on iTunes because they had before season two came out, they dropped it for free. So I had I had downloaded all of it and it's it's still there. <laughs> no way. I didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. Like I was that guy that paid like what was it like over here it was like one pound 80 an episode or something. And you had to buy every single one separately over here. I did that for a bunch of shows. I really shouldn't admit that. I need to write an, uh, an apology letter to my former self. I definitely bankrupted a lot of things there. But anyway, <laughs> I think the whole season of Martin was worth it. So there we go. Yeah, but it, it's uh, still now people people are always they have their theories about the stories. And that's like what I love about what you guys do. You know, the fact that it's it's what could have happened, what would have happened, what should have happened. I love that because literally you had so many different characters, story arcs, scenarios. It, it, there were a million variations they could have done in that house. And oh, for sure. I love discussing the, the possibilities of it all. Yeah. Well, awesome. So thank you again for coming to talk to us. Um, I guess before we end, do you want to tell everyone about your band since that's what you're working on right now? Oh, gosh, oh, that's really kind of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a bit of a weird one. Um, since Anubis, yeah, I've, I've been I ran a recording studio for like eight years and and I have a band called Flint, F-L-Y-N-T. And yeah, we have a bunch of new songs coming out soon, but it's, it's interesting. Like the things you find yourself doing after something like Anubis and, you know, now like, yeah, I'm in the band. I shoot music videos and direct those and stuff like that. And oh, that's you know, so cool. I direct live events as well now. And it's just really odd how this industry throws you from one thing to another and to another. But yeah, if, if anyone wanted to go and listen to Flint, I would really appreciate it. I'm really proud of the music and we just miss playing shows. We can't wait until that comes back, but yeah. And, and honestly, thank you. Thank you so much to all of you. Yeah. Like you should be so proud of what you've got here. It's great. Yeah. I'll be sharing this and telling everyone to come listen if they're not already. Cause I know. Thank you so much. But no, thank you so much for having me on. And um, yeah, like tweet me, DM me when, whenever you want. Um, yeah it'd be good to chat again sometime yeah we we usually just recap um episode by episode so maybe one day if you're up to it you could uh pick one of the episodes we're gonna rewatch and come on and deep dive into it <laughs> Ooh, okay i like that idea i if need you're to it. really difficult <laughs> no pressure yeah no pressure but i now need to go and rewatch the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> and i need to pick a good episode yeah if there's one in particular that you're super passionate about let us know we can we can have you on again <laughs> thank you so much Huge shout out to Brad for being on the show with us this week. We had so much fun. If you want to check him out on social media, his Twitter is Brad Cavana and his Instagram is Brad Cavana Official. You can also check out his band at Flint Official on both Twitter and Instagram. And then, of course, if you want to follow us, our Twitter is at Anubis Podcast and our Instagram is Anubis Backwards Pod. So thanks for listening in this week. We'll be back to our regular scheduled rewatching and recapping this Friday. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, thanks again. We'll see you next time. So much I wanted to say.
where I see it, is there anyone there? Sabuna.